Hello, this is Steve Bailey, welcoming you to episode 10 of Laughing Gas, a Charlie Chaplin podcast. recording this particular podcast episode on Labor Day weekend of 2018. Remember when Jerry Lewis used to do the Labor Day telethon? Well, today I am going to do a Keystone-a-thon. I am going to talk about six, count them, six of Chaplin's Keystone movies made for the uh, Keystone Film Company. Uh, why am I doing this? Because while I want to go in chronological order, I think that's the best way to proceed with Chaplin's work, I, want, I got to admit, I want to get to the real meat of the stuff. He, it's really the last half of his uh, Keystone filmography that's the most interesting. Obviously, he picked up some stuff by then and was able to you know, use some techniques. So, of course, that makes a difference. So, I'm going to get through six of them today so that I can get on to the more interesting stuff. And part of the more interesting stuff is the last movie which I will cover in this podcast episode. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. So let's pick up where we left off. The next one in his filmography is Caught in the Rain. In a park, a tipsy Charlie tries to make time with a woman, played by Alice Davenport, who is alone on a park bench, until a woman's wife, uh, excuse me, woman's husband, played by Max Swain, returns and settles the matter for good. As it happens, Charlie has a hotel room directly across from the couple, and which room do you suppose the woman enters when she goes sleepwalking that night? This is actually a fun little short that makes the most of its situation, and also gets some comedy out of human observation. Example, Mac and Alice argue violently until the maid enters, and they're all sweetness and light until she leaves, and they pick up right where they left off. Another terrific piece of detail is that of a hotel guest who has gout, another overused laugh device in early comedy. See Laurel and Hardy's short, The Perfect Day. Anyway, at first, it seems as though the movie is only going to milk laughs out of Charlie's stumbling over the man's pained foot. But eventually the movie puts him in the background, and just the man's fear that he's going to get hurt somehow by these crazies is enough to score a laugh. Chaplin's reactions are priceless too, especially when Charlie briefly leaves his room to check where Mac is, and he returns to find Alice stretched out and asleep on his bed. This is a very compact winner of a one-reeler. From there we go on to Chaplin's first female impersonation, A Busy Day. There were only three movies where Chaplin went in drag for laughs. This one, A Busy Day, was the first, then another Keystone entry, The Masquerader, and finally a year later for SNA in A Woman. But what a difference a year makes. In the latter comedy, Chaplin goes all out to be convincing as a woman. Might, one might go so far as to say he's even more nuanced. In A Busy Day, he does nothing terribly memorable as a woman or as a comic. This is another of those Keystone comedies where the cast and crew set up a, at a real event, in this case, a military parade celebrating the opening of the harbor in San Pedro, California, and fished around for some comedy. 
And though the premise is that a woman's husband, the woman is chaplain, the husband is Max Swain, quickly deserts her to flirt with a pretty girl, played by Phyllis Allen, the first two minutes is a blatant retread of kid auto races at Venice, with chaplain the woman discovering the camera and hamming it up in front of it. And though not identified, the director of the film within a film certainly looks like Max Sennett himself. But just that two minutes is enough to show how much characterization the Tramp had already developed. In Kid Auto Races, the Tramp was hogging the camera, but he did it far more subtly, just happening to get in front of the camera at every pre under every pretext possible, acting all coy when caught out. Here, it's just an excuse for Chapman to slap anyone who objects to him and then gets slapped in return. Most of the movie's supposed laughs come simply from Chaplin doing what a ladylike woman would not do in public, hoisting her dress, using an it instead of a handkerchief to blow her nose, etc. And all the males in the movie feel quite free to slap this woman around, since we know she's really a man underneath. Ha ha. Although the movie is only a half reel long, it can't get over quickly enough. You'll find yourself very eager to see Chaplin get out of the dress and back in the tramp outfit by movie's end. Next, we have The Fatal Mallet, and when critics write about Keystone comedies being primitive, they don't get much more primitive than The Fatal Mallet. Three men, Chaplin, Max Swain, and Max Sennett, who directed this short, all vie for the attention of a woman, played by Mabel Norman. Sadly, the only way they can, get, they can think of to compete is by attempting to knock each other out with bricks. The theory here, I guess, is that the last man standing is entitled to the girl. Not that the girl has any say in the matter, of course. At one incredulous point in this short, while the trio of grown men is preoccupied, a young man, possibly teenaged, tries to hit on Mabel himself. Luckily, before we can contemplate what new standard this is going to set in cinema, Chaplin returns and kicks the kid away. The kid does a mean backwards flip, too. Sociologists love to inform the public that we get many of our ideas of courtship from the movies. I wonder if this film contributed to figures for spousal abuse in 1914. Hmm. Uh, then we go on to The Knockout, which is not a Chaplin short per se, and it is also not a knockout by any means. It is primarily a vehicle for Roscoe Arbuckle. He plays Pug, a genial sort who, for reasons I still haven't sorted out even after seeing the movie, gets talked into a boxing match against a prize fighter named Cyclone Flynn played by Edgar Kennedy. Chaplin has a very brief role as the fight's, ref, ref, excuse me, the fight's referee. The running gag of Chaplin's appearance is that by being in the middle of the fight, he endures the brunt of the punches. Mild as that sounds, it's probably the funniest thing in the movie. The movie's finale involves the Keystone Cops and makes even less sense. Chaplin will work the boxing ring himself to far greater effect years down the road in City Lights. Next, we have Mabel's Busy Day. A woman, played, of course, by Mabel Normand, tries to sell hot dogs during a car race, but the brutes who take the dogs from her expect only free samples. Meanwhile, Charlie's first scene shows him kicking and punching his way through the gate in lieu of paying admission. Just the sort of action that'll warm him to our hearts. Soon enough, Chaplin, or Charlie fends off a brute who is trying to fight Mabel. Mabel shows her gratitude, only to have hot Charlie steal a hot dog when she's not looking. A chase ensues, and in ever more endearing behavior, Charlie nails Mabel's hot dogs and tries to sell them as his own. More kicking, punching, etc. One wishes for the slightest logical motivation in a short subject like this, but when your comedy starts out trying to get laughs from stealing somebody's livelihood, you've pretty well sealed your fate.
And now finally we come to the gem of the six movies I'm discussing today. In my humble opinion, Mabel's married life is where the Chaplin legend really starts to take hold. For one thing, instead of Charlie being a hyper-aggressive clown who comes out kicking and punching for no reason, this movie actually stops to give him a bit of a background. The first shot we see of Charlie is his making polite domestic banter with his wife, Mabel Norman again, in the park. Then Charlie goes to a nearby bar for a drink, leaving Mabel alone to be hassled by a married man, Max Swain, who is nevertheless looking to flirt. Charlie leaves the bar, sees what's happening, and tries to thwart Max's efforts to no avail. One great detail, Charlie's first attempt to subdue Mac is his usual arse-kicking routine, which results only in a great deal of dust flying off of Mac's behind. Mac gets a two-for-one special by flirting with Mabel and belittling Charlie, and the whole thing could go on forever if Mac's wife didn't finally come on the scene to break things up. She pulls Mac away, and Charlie goes back to the bar to drown his sorrows. On her way home, Mabel po passes a sporting goods store that is selling a boxing dummy. By no small coincidence, the dummy's attire looks exactly like that of Max. Mabel buys the dummy and sets it right past her front door so that Charlie will confront the dummy as soon as he enters the house. Later that night, a drunken Charlie enters and thus begins one of Chaplin's great scenes of transposition, imbuing character into an inanimate object. In his drunken state, Charlie figures that Mac has come around to his house for round two. He tries reasoning with the dummy and is annoyed that he gets no response. He gently pushes the dummy and is alarmed when the dummy pushes back. It's a delightful routine, tailor-made for silent movies. Mabel Norman also has some nice routines throughout, especially after she has set up the dummy in her home and imagines Charlie's reactions to it. She briefly imitates Ch Charlie's waddle walk, hits the dummy self-effacingly, and then says a silent prayer for her husband. Some of Chaplin's Keystone shorts are so bereft of something the audience can relate to that when the end title finally appears, it's like an act of mercy. You have the feeling that if Mabel's married life was allowed to continue, Chaplin would still be coming up with routines for himself and the dummy. So those are the six Chaplin Keystone shorts that I cover for today, and as I always say, I cannot state it categorically, but if you look closely enough online, I'm sure you can find these movies for free viewing. Let me close with my usual uh, personal plugs. I can be found on Facebook at the page Another Charlie Chaplin Facebook page. So I hope you will join me there. And if you have any comments to make about the blogathon, I love feedback. So please feel free to email me at laughinggaspodcast at outlook.com. And finally, let me plug two other movie-related podcasts that I do. I have recently completed a podcast on the filmography of Laurel and Hardy. You can find that online at anchor.fm at the title Hard Boiled Eggs and Nuts, a Laurel and Hardy podcast. And I am in the middle of doing one on the early Popeye cartoons that were done in black and white and produced by the Fleischer Brothers. You can find that podcast also at anchor.fm under the title uh, Blow Me Down, a Fleischer Popeye podcast. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, I welcome you and hope you will continue listening. Please hit the subscribe button. We still have many more episodes to go. And if you are listening to this podcast via iTunes, I hope you will leave me a written review and or a star rating. It really helps. In any case, I thank you for listening. Hope you will continue to do so. Until next time, this is Steve Bailey saying goodbye. <laughs>